Once upon a time, in a distant Middle Eastern kingdom, there ruled a king who found himself trapped in a cycle of extreme emotions. Happiness would quickly give way to sorrow. Fed up with this roller coaster, the king decided to seek solace. He sent his guards to bring to him this supposedly wise man who lived in the mountains and who was reputed for being enlightened. When the wise man came, the king implored, I want to be as you are. Can you give me something that will bring balance, serenity and wisdom into my life? I will pay any price you ask. The wise man, with a knowing smile, replied, I may be able to help you, but the price is so great that your entire kingdom would not be sufficient to pay for it. Therefore, it will be a gift to you if you will honor it. The king promised he will, and the wise man left. Weeks later, the sage returned, bringing with him a delicately carved jade box. Inside, there was a simple gold ring with some letters inscribed on top. The words were clear. This too will pass. Perplexed, the king inquired about the meaning. The wise man responded, Wear this ring always. Whatever happens, before you call it good or bad, touch this ring and read the inscription. This too will pass. That way you will always be at peace. Hello there. Welcome back to another episode. This time we have a very special episode, I have to say. I wanted to record this episode on this topic for a long time, but um, for whatever reason it took longer than I thought it would. Today I want to talk about emotions. And why I say this is a special episode is because I am a psychotherapist, as I've told you plenty of times. And emotions are a central part of what I do for a living. (laughs) We can say that I earn my bread helping people talk about their emotions. Not only talk about their emotions, but finding a way in which they can express them, in which they can let it out, in which they can just give their emotions space. Because so many of us, I'm sure this is a cultural thing, we are scared of our emotions. We have a picture in our minds of how we think we should be feeling and whenever we feel something that doesn't, that isn't in accord with that, we repress it. 
we push it down and we make our lives miserable. I think that the essence of the work that I do with people is to try to build with them some kind of a relationship where there's trust and where they can feel encouraged to express their emotions and to be honest about how they are feeling, not how they would want to feel, but just in complete honesty, this is happening and this is what I feel and try to give a voice to those emotions that many times we just suppress and push down just because we are scared of them. I always use this analogy of the boiling kettle. Usually in the first session when I am explaining the purpose of counseling and therapy to the new clients that I work with. And I ask them to imagine this boiling kettle, right? So let's try to do this. Imagine this boiling kettle that's one of those older models of kettles that used to have a hole and uh, when the water is boiling, the steam coming out of the hole would make a whistle so that you know that the water is boiling, right? So imagine you have one of those and it's placed on top of the stove that's very hot. The water is boiling already and the kettle is whistling, right? What do you think would happen if we take a lot of tape and then block the hole so that no steam can come out? Everyone answers the same thing. It's probably going to explode, right? To which I always reply and I say, I think so, I've not tried it. <laughs> but this is the exact same thing that happens when we suppress our emotions, when we push them down. And how do we push them down? By running away from them by distracting ourselves. If I feel sad, if I feel angry, if I feel hurt, what do I do? Most of the time, what we do is we distract ourselves. We find something that can take our mind away from how we are feeling. We turn on the television or we go to the fridge and take a piece of cheese or whatever or we go to the gym, or we work. And then I don't want to stop working even though it's 10 p.m. because I know if I give myself time to stop and be in silence and be alone and be quiet and not have to think about all of these numbers and spreadsheets and problems, then what's going to happen? I'm gonna have to think about my father. You know, and that's scary because I'm so hurt by what he did. But it's so uncomfortable, I don't want to think about it. So I'm going to work until uh, midnight so that then I'm so tired and when I get home, I'm going to be so tired, I'm not going to have any energy to think about any problems with my father or my wife or my mother or whatever. And then I'm just going to go straight to bed. 
and then I'm gonna wake up at 7 a.m. and then I'm just gonna get ready quickly because I know I have a busy day at work and then I'm gonna go to work very quickly and I'm gonna keep working on my spreadsheets. I'm never going to have time to think about that which truly requires my attention. And the result of that is I'm gonna be so anxious and I will pretend I don't know why, but if I just take a minute to reflect, it's going to be obvious why. So, emotions today is the topic. Emotions. How to use emotions in a constructive way. How to approach them in a wise way. In a way that the emotions are going to fulfill their purpose and are going to lead to personal development, we can say, or spiritual development, right? Which is, as we said, coming closer to who you really are. How can we use emotions in such a way that they are reminders of who I am? That's the wise way of using them. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Let's start with a poem again. Last time we did this um, interesting thing about analyzing or using this poem as a guide. And today we have a very similar poem actually. Last time it was Kabir, this time we have Rumi. The interesting thing about both of them is that they come from a similar spiritual tradition which is uh, Sufism but anyway let's not get carried away by that the poem is called the guest house I'm gonna read it all at once and then we're gonna try to analyze part by part the guest house this being human is a guest house Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, Treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Now, this is mainly talking about emotions. Rumi, what he's doing is he's using a metaphor and he's saying emotions are visitors. So he's saying with the first verse, being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. 
So he's saying, being human means you have a space. It's an internal space, right? It's an internal space where unexpected visitors come. So in your internal space of consciousness, different things come. And one time you feel joy, as he says, then the next depression, the next meanness, then anger, then disappointment, then hurt, then grief, then joy again, then happiness, then sadness, then pain. All of these unexpected. You cannot control how you feel. You feel how you feel, not how you think you should feel. And then he says, welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. So what he's saying is, allow them all to come. Don't close the door on anyone, even if it's pain. Even if it's a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. <laughs> Even if it's an angry neighbor that's just going to come into your house and destroy everything and make you feel bad and sad and hurt. He's saying don't close your doors on anyone. Allow everyone to come. And this is an attitude of acceptance. It's like an attitude of embracing. It's interesting if you look at the religions you're gonna see that the female aspect of deities, whenever you have a deity that's female, most of the time all of them have their arms open. And this is an attitude of welcoming, of embracing. The Virgin Mary, for example, is one that comes to my mind. The Virgin Mary always has her arms open. And this is an attitude of acceptance, of embracing whatever comes, of accepting any guest. And this is the internal attitude that Rumi is suggesting you should have whenever that Rumi is suggesting you should have in your relationship with emotions. Accept them, allow them to be there, don't run away from it, don't push them down, don't distract yourself. And he says, treat each guest honorably. What this means is give it, give each guest your attention. Give each guest your attention. Even if it's pain, even if it's that which you don't want to have, even if it's an emotion that you're already fed up, allow it to be there. Give it your attention. Give it your care. I always tell people, I work a lot with uh, grief because I work in a hospice and we offer uh, emotional support to the patients but also to the family members and most of our work is done with family members of patients who have already died so it's a lot of grief 
work. And I always tell people, grief is like a wound. Imagine you cut your hand and it's bleeding. What do you do? How do you heal it? You make sure that it is clean. You make sure that it's disinfective. But when it comes to the act of healing the wound itself, you don't do anything. There's nothing you can do to heal the wound. All you can do is make sure that it doesn't get infected, that it's clean. That's what giving your attention means. And the same with grief. Give your emotions your attention. And how they process themselves, how they digest themselves, you don't have to be concerned about that. It's like you eat. Okay, how do you digest your food? You don't know how. You don't have to care about that. Your body has an innate intelligence that operates without your conscious involvement. And the same energy, the same intelligence can also digest, process your emotions if you allow it. What does it mean to allow it? It means you need to give them space. If you're constantly watching TV, working, uh, doing all sorts of things, scrolling in social media, talking on the phone all day long, you're not going to give yourself space for your emotions to be healed, for, you, for the wounds to be healed by this intelligence that we're talking about. Our attention is required. Our time, our presence is required. So Rumi says, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. So here he's giving clear guidance on how to approach so-called bad emotions. Dark thought, shame, malice, pain, anger. We can include all of these. And he's saying, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. And this is the attitude of acceptance. This is the laugh that comes when you are completely open. When you trust the intelligence of your body to process the emotions for you. When you trust that, you don't have to be concerned what emotions come. You can have a smile. It's the same smile of the big-bellied Buddha that's always laughing. You know, it's this smile of trust, of knowing that in the end, everything will be okay. I think that's what Oscar Wilde said. Everything is okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Rumi ends the poem by saying, Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So what this means is, there is a purpose for every emotion that you feel. 
it's not like there's a mistake in the matrix and you're feeling something that you shouldn't be feeling. No, every emotion that comes has its place, even though consciously you might not be able to understand what the place is within the grand scheme of things, nor do you have to. Just learn to trust how things are. Learn to open yourself to be vulnerable and trust how things are. Now, obviously, this is not easy. Being vulnerable is not easy. It's not like Rumi says, you're not going to have to be laughing always, right? That's the internal attitude. But the laugh, the groundedness, we can say, is what the laugh represents, can be there in the background while in the foreground you are crying and you're in pain and you're vulnerable. But you can have an attitude of acceptance when it comes to allowing your vulnerability to be there in the foreground. That's what Rumi is saying. Mark what I say. This is from Chuang Tzu. In the case of the body, it is best to let it go along with things. In the case of emotions, it is best to let them follow where they will. By going along with things, you avoid becoming separated from them. By letting the emotions follow as they will, you avoid fatigue. And I have another one here uh, by Rumi in another poem. He says, Don't turn away. Keep your gaze on the bandaged place. That's where the light enters you. It's very interesting, this thing that he says. Keep your gaze on the bandaged place. Right? It's... He's saying, keep your attention on the pain. So how we can deal with emotions is, first we need to allow them to come. We need to allow them to be in the foreground of our lives. If you sit down, if you reflect on that which you know hurts, eventually the pain is going to rise. The pain is going to bubble and you're going to feel sad hurt and the important thing to do here is not to run away from pain to keep your gaze on the bandaged place to keep your attention on that where it hurts that's all you need to be concerned of where you place your attention the rest will take care of itself so the practice is to Pay attention to your pain, to direct your attention to your hurt. How can we do that? Okay, next time you're sad, next time you feel like you want to cry, next time you're hurt inside, ask yourself, where can I feel it? How does it feel? We spoke a lot about curiosity, right? And curiosity is a, an incredible tool to work with emotions in a wise way. 
And what this means is, okay, I'm going to be curious about this uncomfortable emotion. I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to allow myself to be vulnerable. And I'm going to be curious about how it feels. Because when we are curious about it, we are not pushing it away. You can't be curious about your pain and pushing it away at the same time. You, that, that cannot happen. It's either one or the other. So when you're curious, you're open. That's why I always ask people to be curious about their emotions in front of me. And I ask them, okay, how, w- how would you describe it? And then in order to come up with, a, with an answer, they need to pay attention. And then they say, oh, it's like a heaviness. And I say, okay, heaviness, where can you feel it? And I take a time to think, to pay the attention inside. It's not thinking, actually, it's feeling. And they say, okay, I can feel it in my chest. Or I can feel it in my throat. I can feel it in my stomach. Okay, good. Is it comfortable? Is it uncomfortable? And they say, it's very uncomfortable. Okay, good. Don't push away just because it's uncomfortable. Challenge yourself to be open to discomfort. I always tell people, dealing with emotions, it's not a pleasurable thing. It's like I had this conversation with my boss the other day. Um, He is a Jungian therapist. Um, And we were talking about dealing with emotions. And he said, it's shit. I know it is, (laughs) but it's important to sit in the shit because when we sit in the shit, that's when we make progress. (laughs) I'm conscious I'm going to have to mark this episode as explicit just because I said that, but (laughs) it's worth it because it's just a very important lesson. Learn to sit in the shit of your emotions. When it's so painful that you cannot bear it, learn to sit with it. Learn to open yourself and to direct your attention to the place where it hurts. How does it feel? What color does this emotion have if it would have a color? And then my clients look at me perplexed as if I'm crazy. But then I encourage them to do it and then they pay attention and then they, they start crying more and they say, you know what, this is very, this is a dark color. It's like dark blue. Okay, what's dark blue? Dark blue reminds me of the ocean at night. It's so dark, so lonely, so painful. And then tears come. If tears need to be there, allow them to be there. Many people are scared about their emotions because they think, if I open this door, what am I going to find on the other side, especially if you've had depression in the past, then it's likely that you're going to be very cautious about your emotions because then you're going to feel, if I allow this to be there, where is this going to end? And that's a risk you're going to have to take. It's always a risk. Vulnerability is always a risk. That's why we always run away from it, because it feels so risky, so dangerous. 
But learn to sit with your emotions. Learn to pay attention inside. We've done a lot of body work in this podcast. If you've not done it, I strongly encourage you to listen to the introduction to meditation bonus content, as well as the body scan meditation that I've also included. Because in that way, you familiarize yourself with your internal space in your body, we can say. And that's the ground where emotions play their game. It's important to familiarize yourself with this ground where the emotions play their game. Your stomach, for example, it's an important part. Can you just take the next 20 seconds to feel your stomach, feel your abdomen? Feel the space of your abdomen from the inside, so to speak. This is an area of your body where a lot of emotional activity takes place. And the same with your chest. So feel your chest from within, so to speak. It's a space. What content is in the space right now? It can take the form of tension, heaviness, pressure, anxiety is felt there, for example, or in the throat is another area. A very common feeling is when you feel like you have a knot in your throat that's associated with sadness. If you familiarize yourself with this feeling, with paying attention, with vigilance and saying, okay, what's happening in my body right now? If you can be vigilant, you're going to be able to spot the knot when it is built, so to speak. And then you're going to have a decision. Okay, do I want to push this down or do I want to open up and allow it to just express itself? And that's the choice that we all have. It's important that we ground ourselves so that we remember that we have a choice of, okay, I can feel this sadness creeping up. Do I want to take the risk and be vulnerable. It's a risk because it's uncomfortable, of course. Or do I want to take the choice and distract myself and go eat something or go watch something or go listen to something or call someone? Obviously, I'm saying this because I would encourage you If that happens, go with the difficult decision. Always go with the difficult decision when it comes to emotions. Open yourself. When you do that, you allow the intelligence of your body to digest the emotions. Now, something important. This is a quote from a person called Kenpo Gangshar Wangpo. 
Mm. He was a very famous person um, within the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And uh, he wrote the following. On the one hand, when you regard disturbing emotions as emptiness, your practice turns into taking emptiness as the path and not the disturbing emotions. Thus, your practice doesn't become the short path. On the other hand, if you indulge in the disturbing emotions, thinking they are something concrete, it is like eating a poisonous plant and is the cause that binds you to samsara. Right, now I recognize this might be a little bit confusing, but let's go slowly. He says, on the one hand, when you regard disturbing emotions as emptiness, your practice doesn't become the short path. So he's saying, if you regard your emotions as unimportant, you are not going to be dealing with them in a wise way. You're not going to be taking the short path. On the other hand, if you indulge in the disturbing emotions, thinking they are something concrete, it's like eating a poisonous plant and is the cause that binds you to samsara. Samsara here means, in the Buddhist tradition, I don't want to get into this right now, but it's like suffering. It's the wheel of birth and death. Buddhists believe in reincarnation and they think that someone who makes spiritual progress eventually frees himself from reincarnating and in the wheel of reincarnation there's suffering so as long as you're as long as you're bound to the wheel you're gonna suffer so what he's saying you know uh, if we kind of extract the cultural uh, layers what he's saying is if on the other hand you take your emotions as if they are something concrete it's like eating a poisonous plant and you're gonna be bound to suffering so basically if we take if we take it all together he's saying don't Think of your emotions as non-existent, as emptiness, as not important, but neither take them as absolute reality, as absolute concrete material. Because emotions are fleeting. They are meant to be fleeting. Something that might be painful today, it's important today, but it will change tomorrow. So don't pull them closer and don't push them away. Just be present with them. Just allow them the space to be as they are right now. 
It always comes down to right now. How are you feeling right now? That's the only important emotion that you need to think about, that you need to feel. Thich Nhat Hanh was another Buddhist uh, monk, I think from a different tradition, but he said something similar. He said, feelings come and go like clouds in a windy sky. Conscious breathing is my anchor. So the wise way of looking at emotions is like clouds in the sky. They are there, but they are fleeting. The clouds are always moving. Your emotions are meant to be always moving. It's like a river. The problem is that when we push them down, when we resist them, when we have an attitude of aversion to them, because it hurts, then we say, okay, I'm going to push this down. I'm going to forget about this. I'm going to distract myself. What happens? We build a dam on the river and then the river cannot flow. And then the waters rise, of course. And then soon enough, we realize we need a, another higher dam. And then another and another and another. And what happens when we do that is our feelings become static. Something that's meant to be flowing constantly is suddenly stuck. And eventually something has to happen. This is not a sustainable picture. The dam has to be broken down. And it's going to hurt. But don't run away from pain. Face your pain. Feel it. We can summarize this in one very simple sentence. Your emotions are not to be run away nor to be thought about, but your emotions are to be felt. And how you feel them in your body. You take your attention in your body and you say, okay, how does this feel? There is a pain in my chest. Okay, can I give it space to be there? Can, can I just give it two minutes of my conscious attention? And all I'm going to do is I'm going to focus my attention on the pain. That's what self-compassion is. Self-compassion is, can I give my emotions space? Can I give them my attention? This is by a Hindu sage by the name of Ramana Maharshi. He says, let what comes come, let what goes go, find out what remains. And eventually, if we learn to approach our emotions in this wiser way of giving them space, of being willing to be uncomfortable, of being willing to be vulnerable, of being willing to be in pain, to face it rather than run away from it. Eventually, what that does is it opens up another dimension in ourselves. That's the dimension of the observer. If you do that, if you learn to sit with your emotions, eventually the emotions themselves are going to point you to a deeper place in yourself. 
That's the dimension that's behind the thoughts. It's the dimension that's behind the emotions. There has to be a space for the emotions to be present. And when we don't push them away, they are like a mirror that then shows us the space itself. And then we connect with this dimension where we are the space for our emotions. And that space is always the same. That space is never touched by any emotion. It's like the Zen Buddhists say, you cannot hammer a nail into space. (laughs) And by this we mean when you find that spaciousness of who you are, it's the observer that's one of the ways in which we've been describing it. It's the canvas to the paint. It's the space that allows the thoughts, the emotions to be there. When you find that in yourself, you don't have to be scared. Because you realize that place can never be touched by the emotions. And when you do this, when you find this, you will find a reason, motivation for allowing the pain to be there. Imagine you have a bucket of black paint and you throw it up in the sky. The paint is going to fall to the ground or uh, hit the wall, but the space is never going to be affected by the paint. And that's the space of who you are. That's the dimension of the sky, we can say. It's like Pema Chodron, she says, you are the sky. Everything else, it's just the weather. And when you allow the weather to be as it is, then you realize your identity as sky, as spaciousness. And that's when you're still and you're connected to a deeper place in yourself. It's the background to who you are. Emotions are foreground. Thoughts are foreground. And the way in which we can use the foreground to be reminded of the background is by allowing it to just unfold in whichever ways it needs to unfold. So remember to pay more attention to the background of your life. Let's finish with a wonderful story. There once was a Japanese army general whose reputation spread far and wide as a cruel, cruel man. He would command his army to unleash hell in different villages in the country. One day he comes into this one village and asks his lieutenant, tell me, what's happening? How have the villagers reacted to our visit? The lieutenant replies, all the villagers are frightened of you. They are bowing down and asking for mercy. Even all the monks in the monastery have fled to the hills, but for one monk. The army general was outraged at this one monk 
and decides to go to the monastery. Once there, he slams the doors open. As he walks in, there's the monk, standing in the middle of the courtyard. The army general walks up to him, and he says, Don't you know who I am? I could run my sword through your belly without blinking an eye. And don't you know who I am? replies the monk. I could have your sword go through my belly without blinking an eye. The general looks him in the eye, not a single trace of fear. He bows deeply and leaves the monk in peace.